So here we are again. It's another episode of Your Sports Fix with the Sports Pulse. It's Devin Ashby, Dan Houston. How you doing, Dan? Hey, what's up? How you doing today? I'm doing good. I'm doing good. It's uh, The weather's breaking outside. Everything's coming together at this point. Oh, still, yeah. I'm still enjoying. hiding out. <laughs> but to kind of get into things this week, it's a lot of stuff going on in professional sports. Um, we got to start in the NBA with Kevin Durant. He's a Maryland native. For most people who know, he grew up in Suitland. He played, I mean, in Seat Pleasant. He played at Montrose Christian. And now he is introducing the world to Prince George's County basketball. Him, Quinn Cook, Victor Oladipo, and they're putting together a documentary kind of going into a behind-the-scenes look at a, a basketball hotbed that probably doesn't get the national recognition that some of these other areas get. And it's going to be on Showtime. Uh, so th- it's going to be really interesting to see what he did with this project. Yeah, uh, having a documentary on um, basketball in in the DMV, I think is uh, it's 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 uh, I think it's necessary. Um, I know there have been other documentaries done in the past, but uh, Prince George's County definitely has uh, uh, it's a hotbed. It has some some of the best um, athletes in general, I mm-hmm. think, um, across the nation. But basketball is definitely. Uh, uh, KD is he's the guy, I guess, if you're if you're going to call out someone to be like, well, who who's a person that really um, puts PG County on the map? A lot of people will say KD just because, you know, you know, he he's technically from the area. But a lot of people don't know that he played at Montrose Christian. And, you know, even though he's fr- right from Seat Pleasant, um, but technically he, he put, you know, this county on the map. And there's a lot of other really good players like Michael Beasley. Um, you know, Ty Lawson, they did some things. Um, Victor Oladipo. Yeah, Victor Who actually, Oladipo. Speaking of which, the, the thing with this documentary that's so cool, because like you said, other ones have been done before, but this one is being produced by, first of all, by NBA players, and secondly, by guys who grew up and played out here. Like Victor Oladipo is one of the producers on here, as well as Quinn Cook, who played, I think, at DeMatha. And mm-hmm. the, and and um, Kevin Durant, and then one other person who who's now yeah, a Quinn Cook was the Matha, and of course and, you get Markel Fultz uh, coming out of there being a top pick. Right. So they um, it's it's guys who played ball here and who just have a different perspective, and that's why I think it's going to be even the best one yet because it's guys who actually played and who because like it's it's similar to. You know, if you grew up in Atlanta, you want to you want to get somebody who grew up in Atlanta to do a documentary about what goes on out there. Like if somebody were to do a documentary about football in Miami-Dade County, you would hope it's somebody who played there and grew up there. So it's a similar thing here, I think, where it's going to be even better for people because we he knows the area. You know, Quinn Cook knew the area. Victor Oladipo knew this area. So yeah. that's that's what I think is going to make this one stand out. Yeah, Hopefully. and a lot of them also gave back too. Um, it wasn't just like they were a product of of uh, Prince George's County and never, you know, you know, basically came back and and, and showed love. So I mean, right. that's, that's good about a lot of the players that you might not hear about a lot in the news, but they most of them did give back. And and you know, like uh, KD was very generous. He he, uh, I believe he created a, a whole new. Um, uh, it was like a a wing for for students, basically a whole school for students mm-hmm. in Su- uh, in Suitland, and you know, 
Um, you know, he's old, bought you laptops know. for kids and stuff. Yeah, like. but yeah, he's done a lot of stuff. I mean, they even dedicated a, a sneaker to Prince George's County. So he's he's always done things to um, kind of put like, put yes. uh, put them on the map, basically. Say what you want about him as a player, but he's always been a great person. Yeah, I know that much. Even like LeBron, you know, everyone's like, you know, they rag on him about little things here and there. But, you know, LeBron could be out there doing doing drugs and being a bad role model and doing all the wrong things. But it's just like, right. Some some people don't realize they they don't give uh, they don't pay homage to what what it is to be a a good or great human, you know, more or less just a basketball player athlete. Correct. And I'm wondering as far as who's being interviewed in this. I'm wondering who he's going to add. Cause I, I feel like maybe Wale is going to be involved in this somehow because you know, Wale is another big guy from this area who loves to highlight it. So I wonder if he's going to be in this in some way. Wale isn't him. everything. You know that? Like, I mean, yeah, that's why I'm, asking DMV, I'm like, I like Wale and all, but my thing is, I'm just going to be real. <laughs> like, Wale's cool and all, but like not everyone was rocking with Wale like that when I was growing up. Like, oh, yeah, no, it yeah, was they, they it was now. a DC thing and it was a go go thing and then it kind of turned into a PG thing and then when he had like a hot song and was like Lady Gaga then it, he just like blew up and it was just like and then everyone's like oh yeah I know Wally it's like he was oh, yeah, no, an had- underground dude that had clout but it wasn't like you know what I mean it's like, not what it is nah. yeah I mean I'm, like I'm not hating on Wally I think it's you know I think he's you know, no, I hear what dude. you're saying because I yeah, think it, he's talented, but he was like a local guy that was like, you know, oh yeah, that's our dude. But then when he blew up, everyone was like, they knew him, you know. Like, I mean, yeah, but that happens everywhere. That's that's something that is unfortunate, but it happens with a lot of people. Like, oh, people don't want to be with you until you blow up, and then it's like, oh, well, he's from, and then people started getting nitpicking because it's like, well, he he went to Quince Orchard, but he's always talking about how he's from DC, and I'm like, if anybody knows how people from outside of this area don't know the area. Like, I tell people I'm from D.C. all the time if they're not from here. But when I come back here, obviously I tell them, hey, I'm from Maryland. I'm from Rockville. I'm from wherever. Yeah. Like, I'll just... But it, it's it's the same thing. Like yeah, The DMV is an interesting... Uh, it's an interesting area because it's like a melting pot of, like, so many different... I mean, everything. So many different styles, cultures, ways of life. Just, But it, you, you knock into so many different people and you're almost a part of this uh, fraternity, you know? And it's... Right. Uh, everyone kind of kind of sticks up for each other and takes care of each other in a certain uh, sense, which is, is something you have to experience. There's different lingo, dialect. Like, there's, there's a lot of flavor in what everyone brings to the table who lives yeah. in, in the DMV that... It's something that you can't recreate. Either you're from the area or you're not, you know? Exactly, exactly. And, it, and yeah, but that, speaking of DMV, we move up the street to FedEx Field. The, so last night there was a documentary that I missed. I wish I could have caught it. But um, E60 from ESPN did a story on Alex Smith and how he's been trying to come back from that horrific leg injury he had against the Texans a couple years ago. Yeah, and was, so I, I don't know there. if you caught it. Um, I caught bits and pieces of it, um, mainly because I was there when it happened. I mean, I was I was covering for the Associated Press when they were playing the Texans, mm-hmm. and all the things that happened. Um, you know, it's just like where where uh, the injury took place was very similar to Joe Theismann when LT basically, you know, tore his you know leg to shreds. Um, everything was similar. It was eerie how just 
it, how everything just took place. I mean, it was like at the same spot on the field. It was the same day. It was so many w- weird factors about how similar that was to ending, um, you know, Theismann's career. But yeah, there was there um, was some statistic that came out this week, or not statistic. It was like a chart, and it showed like what you said. Everything down to the T was very similar, eerily similar to what happened to Joe Theismann. Even like the day it happened, like the same day of the year on the calendar, um, the the team they were playing, uh, the guy who who broke his leg is a two time defensive player of the year, and the only other person to do that was LT. Um, yeah, like it's just crazy stuff like that. And then well, the fact that he almost died because you know I almost was died. I was yeah. naive to the fact I heard he was having complications, but I never knew it was that bad. And when you saw the the images of his leg and everything, it was just oh so gruesome. Like, uh, I mean, and the fact that he still wants to play, I mean, this shows a lot about uh, how much he loves the game. I mean, right. to almost die and be like, well, I'm going to come back, and knowing his age and the situation and the team that he's on right now. I mean, it's crazy to think what what could happen next, you know? Right. And this is an injury that's happened to a couple people before. Like, it's some guys who've had to lose their leg over it. Like, um, that's what I thought it was. I thought he was just going to have to get his leg amputated. But then, yeah, they're saying, oh, he could die from it and because of the infections. And, like, he had a bunch of infections in his leg. Like, it was just a lot of craziness. And now it's like a lot of people are not that they weren't before but even more so now are in his corner and rooting for him and even if he can't come back and play i hope there's a place for him in this organization maybe as a coach as a special advisor to somebody i don't know like yeah i mean he's steve he's very uh dead set on coming back and playing i I, you know and i and i think a team will give him a chance but uh if you look at that contract that he signed i think he could uh, and his age i don't know if anyone's gonna pick that up that's that's what i'm saying I think he could still stay here just because of that contract, but also like at his age being, what is he almost 36 now or 35? He's up there. Yeah. He, um, he could definitely be a mentor if, if that's his thing. Um, The thing is he wants to play now. That's what I'm saying. I think he'll he'll ask for a trade or now what value now, again, I don't think that's Washington's problem, but maybe they will. What value do you think you can get out of a quarterback of that age? I mean, I think, you know, I'm seeing what could potentially happen is next season, if he can play, which he's hoping to play in 2020. Is We're all if hoping to play in 2020. Well, yeah, <laughs> that's true. But for yeah. his, his situation, it's a little more, you know. Well, uh, no, yeah, I'm saying. If everybody else can, he wants to as well. Right. But for 2020 with his injury and, and hopefully to come back, the only but, way if football does, you know, if we do have football in 2020, uh, he is going to have to go to a team that needs a quarterback, whether it be um, out of just circumstance. I think really is going to be the only way, actually, now that I think about it. It would have to be a team that's on the verge of getting in the playoffs and their star quarterback gets hurt and they need a veteran. And they'll take a chance on that veteran to take a shot on them. And I think a team could give you value if they know they're going to make it. At least you know, make a deep run. You know, another team I think could – I mean, they're not – nowhere near the playoffs yet and i don't know if he'd want to go there but this is a team that is kind of like the dolphins i could see something because they have the cap room because they don't have any like big contracts um they just drafted a young quarterback Tua, who if you put alex smith in there Tua won't have to play right away it'll be almost like a Mahomes situation yeah i don't see you know you're right i don't i don't think that's a bad fit at all but mm-hmm. if you're looking at washington he's not starting 
You yeah, can't no, let not, Alex not Smith here. come in. But you know what? I wouldn't be shocked if that was brought into the conversation. And that would just completely ruin what they're trying to build right now. But I don't think Rivera would let that happen. If anything, they would trade him and try to get him out of Washington. Washington. And, and not on a negative tip, but more of like, look, we had you in our plans. Things happened. You're not in our plans, but we're going to help you get to where you need to go. That's where you're at right now. Right. Sorry, but that's life. Like, exactly. I, mean, I mean, yeah, that's, it's, it's, it's it is business. what it is. And he knows that better than anybody. Yeah, and I think he's aware. And I, and yeah. I think that's why you haven't heard a lot of you know murmurs or, or news about him being disgruntled. Because I think they did have that conversation behind closed doors. Because he hasn't really been – There's he's been very – I mean, he's been a good soldier when it comes to Washington. He hasn't said anything negative about the team throughout from day one. So, you know, they must have done right by him, you know. That and the fact that I think he's got bigger fish to fry at the moment. You know, in terms yeah, of just yeah. – he had to learn how to walk again. I mean, he almost oh, lost yeah, his life. Yeah. Like, I wouldn't be concerned. Definitely your about perspective on life's got to change when you almost die. <laughs> right. I mean, and the thing is, is like, for him, don't be shocked if he plays on a contender when a, when a quarterback goes down. I, right. I think you're going to see it. Um, and they're, they're not even going to care. As long as he passes his physical, they're just going to throw him out there. They're going to give him a, 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 you know, a, a basic playbook to work with and, and run what he likes, and they're just going to try to win games deep in the playoffs. I think that could happen. I don't know who. I, I can think see it New England. Happen. It could be New England. It could be. I mean, obviously, they don't want Cam, so who else are you going to do? <laughs> right. uh, uh, use over there, you know? Yeah, New England or my – I mean, New England would be in terms of, like, contenders and a quarterback going down because – especially since they didn't I draft I see Jacksonville. One. I didn't Jacksonville because his old coordinator is down there. Maybe Carolina, like, I could see it down there because Teddy's had his injury history, of course. I hope not because I'd like to see Teddy get a, uh, a fair shake, you know? I mean, yeah, no, I'm, I'm just saying, like, based off what you said, like, if you're a contender and you get hurt. Yeah. These are all the places. Oh, I mean, yeah. Teddy gets but, hurt, but yeah. Yeah, agree. I hope he does. Teddy I'm gets hurt saying. and bringing Alex, yeah, sure. I think that could work. But, yeah, we definitely will see, and we wish him all the best more than anything. But, um, to move on to college, I don't know. At this point, I feel like everybody's heard that the NCAA is looking at, I mean, even though they always seem to be looking at, but now it seems concrete of allowing players to make money off of their own name, image, and likeness. Yeah. And they're looking at avenues to make that happen. So and yeah, I think... I, go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I no, think go, that go. Um, part of that is is a wake-up call by the NCAA because for the second time a, a huge a, a big basketball recruit has either decommitted or passed over college in general to to go straight to the g league and it's ha- it happened again with uh the number one point guard in the nation in 2021 had committed to ucla but he decommitted and now he's going to the g league right and obviously we were talking about i think it was Jalen hampton like a couple weeks back who did the same thing and i don't know if it, because the timing is really interesting because as soon as this ucla news happened a day later, NCAA comes out with, oh, well, now we're going to decide that we can start letting athletes make money. I don't know. That was just coincidental timing, I think. Yeah, well, when the, when they call it, you know, the LeBron rule, or um, when, when basically he the was Rich a Paul huge, rule. Yeah, I mean, he was – well, LeBron was a, a huge proponent for pushing uh, – he, he, he felt that, you know, obviously he didn't uh, play in college, but he felt that a lot of the athletes were not – uh, well, the, the, the NCAA was simply just profiting all, off of them, and that's where the the, the whole um, debacle kind of kind of came to light. I mean, everyone knew about what the NCAA has been doing over the years. Even if you remember, um, 
with uh, Johnny Manziel. They were marketing uh, uh, jerseys that said football on the back. And it's just like, oh, well, all of them say football. But it's like, we really know what you're doing there, Johnny football. So they're always trying to make a buck off the players. And with the video games and everything, you know, with the uh, NCAA games, they, they couldn't make money off of that. And honestly, let's be real. More than half these kids aren't going to make it uh, statistically to the next level. Um, I feel like if they're going to be uh, profited off of, they should get, uh, they should reap some of the benefits from it. I've always believed that. Uh, whether even if it's at the, the the minimum of just royalties, royalty sales for, for you know whether it's a jersey or it's a video game or what what have you. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think it's the NCAA has gotten away with so much with these players and it's, i think it's time i think it's time for them to fix this yeah and we all knew it was coming eventually because it just all things seem to point like the more the bigger these tv deals get the bigger that these stars images get and now especially in the technology era where people got youtube and tiktok and 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 and, and all this other stuff that you, i mean it was coming like and the one thing that i think about like you said a lot of these kids are not going to get drafted. And even the ones who do, the average career span is only about three years in the NFL. And I don't know how long in the NBA. So, and, and it's football, you know, freak injuries happen all the time. So like if your prime years are in college like that, it reminds me of, um, there was the kicker at UCF who had a YouTube page and he wasn't making a ton of money, but he was making little basic money, little basic things. He wasn't like a kingpin out here. And the NCAA forced him to either revoke his scholarship or shut down his page. And I'm like, that's criminal. That's crazy. Well, yeah, and that, yeah, I don't know. If this might be before, <laughs> it might be before your time a little bit or not. But if you remember Jeremy Bloom, who used to play for Colorado, um, he was an Olympic skier. Um, and NCAA, uh, I think it was, uh, if I'm not mistaken, it was Nike that wanted to sponsor him um, as an Olympic skier, not as a football player for Colorado. And they're like, no, you can't do that. You can't accept money. And, you know, you can't – that's just something you can't do because, you know, the Olympics and NCAA doesn't matter. We basically own you. <laughs> so, um, you know, you're talking about a guy who's representing our country, and he can't, he can't be acknowledged for it. And they're going to say, well, if you do it, you can't play. You know, you won't be able to play for Colorado, and you won't be able to go to the university. And, and for me, I thought that was just the biggest slap in the face to – Somebody mm-hmm. that's representing our country, let alone it's just it just shows you how uh, financially driven, you know, these institutions are to just filling their pockets rather than pushing, you know, their own products, you know, out in front of people and say, hey, look, we're proud of this student athlete because look at all he's accomplished rather than that. They just want to say, well, we want to make money off of him like he's a cash cow. And right. that's what really makes it sad. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. Like. And and it keeps happening. And then you never see these limitations on coaches. Like the same um, Gary Patterson from TCU, for example, this past week was in the news because he was talking about he's working on producing an album. And I was like, yo, you know, a kicker almost lost his scholarship over a stupid YouTube page, but the head coach at TCU can can openly and publicly express that, hey, I'm getting ready to produce an album. Like... Why is everybody can make money off these players, but they can't make money off themselves. And so now when, when the G league started doing stuff like it's, and it's more so in football to basketball, because basketball, at least you can leave after a year and do your own thing. Football, you're basically stuck for three, maybe even four, sometimes five years. 
Uh, yeah, and like in in Jeremy know. Bloom's case, I mean, he was you know like he was a really good college player. I mean, he he was extremely fast. He was a punt returner, kick returner, and uh, you know he did go to the Eagles. But you know, in training camp, you know he he had an injury. I think he pulled his hamstring or something, and you know that was pretty much his career. So he's one of those guys. Like I was saying before, it's like you know even if you're really good, there's no you know guarantee you're going to make it in the next level. I mean, might as well. Uh, profit off of you know a little, and we're not saying like these players are going to make a king's ransom either here right. from the NCAA. I think it's just pure greed on their part, and that's what makes it so concerning to me. Yeah, and it's not like the schools have to pay. This is talking about players going out, getting paid for shoe endorsements, maybe like people making their YouTube pages. You know, if somebody is a if a musician they and or a rapper they can you know or even just a daggone job like a yeah. job at the school store they can't even do none of that like it's really incredibly crazy the amount of things that they could do to make it on their own versus like the NCAA or the school having to pay them and they can't even do that so it's going to be interesting to see how this goes forward because even before this happened you saw there were individual states like California that made it a law that players are allowed to do it like mm-hmm. you, so you've seen states individually start to do it so you knew it was coming oh yeah i mean i mean i'm glad I, you know i'm glad that they're they're kind of uh working out all the kinks right now on that and and making sure that it's 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 fair to the student athletes so i mean we'll, i'm sure this is going to evolve a lot more um as time goes on but we'll see how time will tell what what kind of how this how this shakes out because i'm sure this 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 is new territory for everyone. Yeah, like it's not as simple as it seems. I would think because yeah. you got to think about unionizing all this other stuff that's going to start to come into play later. So yeah. it's going to be interesting over the next few months, years, decades, however long it's going to take. It's going to be interesting to see for sure. But um, I think we can end right there. You know, I didn't really have anything else. Oh, did you want to do the last dance? Did you watch that? Oh, shoot, I forgot about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, what was it? Three and four were the episodes this week. Dennis yeah, Rodman. last dance, you had, uh, you had three and four, which were really interesting. You had Rodman and uh, Jackson. Phil Jackson. Pretty much. And it was a little more than that, than what they said. It was kind of, you kind of got a, a little bit of everything in those, but they focused on Dennis and, and Phil. Yeah, but um, Dennis's was not quite as crazy as I thought it would be. In yeah, terms of, like, yeah. they did, they found a way to not... Um, talk about his own documentary not to rehash the same info we kind of got yet again another new version of Dennis you know we obviously like that Vegas story is probably the funniest thing I've seen yeah. in a while yeah that was new for me I didn't I wasn't aware of the Vegas story and um, everything I think everything was in, in, in his last 30 for 30 I think we kind of I thought it was well done and we learned a lot about Dennis in that one so and and you kind of saw them recycle a little bit from that in 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 the new uh you know episode episode three I think it was uh, yeah the main the dance. main thing for Dennis the main thing that stood out to me was in '93 he um he nearly he almost committed suicide he thought about it he was sitting in his car but then he you know he put the gun down police found him and Detroit instead of getting him help they just shipped him out of there yeah. <laughs> Um, and and that's an interesting point in his life too. I mean, I, I don't. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm I'm wondering what really happened, you know, behind closed doors in that situation because you know that was the birth of Dennis, you know, kind of 
just changing into a whole other person where he was more flamboyant. I would mm-hmm. say he was marketing himself. One of the first players that doesn't really get acknowledgement for going viral before yeah. before actually you going know viral. going viral YouTube or any social media. Um, he you know he he definitely was in a different state of mind. And when he went to the Spurs, I mean. I mean, he, he went he went as far as calling um, David Robinson soft, and and they had good runs over there, and and it was just kind of like he he was he became the point of emphasis where everyone's like, look, we just want to win games. But you can't deny what Dennis Rodman brought to the NBA in, in general. I mean, you just yeah. had to deal with the little things, and I thought I thought Phil Jackson really understood how to how to manage him, and honestly, I think Michael did too after watching it. I think they kind of knew that he's a special type of. Uh, has a special type of personality that you need to kind of contour to. And I found it interesting. I was wondering how he and Michael did get along because Michael was an alpha male. He's an alpha male. And then Phil Jackson, his show to go into his, he really was the perfect guy for all of them because, you know, he brought in all of the, you know, the Zen Buddhist stuff, like the, you know, the Indian run. Zen master. And Phil himself wasn't always the the most loose. I mean, he's a very loose guy, so loose to the point that, I mean, they were talking about, like... Yeah, he was a hippie. <laughs> he was a hippie. Like, you know, he grew up out in Montana, like... Didn't you know, wear a suit. Didn't wear a suit time. to the interview. <laughs> to the interview. Doing acid and stuff. I'm yeah. like, man, this this dude, Phil... It, and no wonder he was able to handle... Too. A lot of people don't know that he could actually play. <laughs> yeah, and it's like, it makes more sense now that you could handle that many personalities in the same room not just in Chicago, but when you went over to L.A. and we're dealing with Kobe and Shaq and Artest, Ron Artest, definitely. Yeah. Uh, like, it makes more sense now, like, how he was able to deal with all this. Well, Doug Collins, I thought, <laughs> was a really cool part. I, I thought it was really interesting that Doug Collins kind of knew that Phil Jackson was going to be his replacement, and, and he wouldn't expound upon that anymore. Like, why do you think that? He's like, I just, I just know. Like, and he got really kind of abrasive. Yeah, you could see it. He, he didn't want to say it almost seemed you know i don't speak for him it almost like he knew that i don't want to say he knew that phil was better than him because doug collins is a great coach and he's always been a great coach but i think he's just like i can't really compete with what him or what they want to do and right. the triangle offense the fact that phil adopted it where everyone kind of said that he he was like the zen master of the triangle but really it was adopted yeah, so he, he, yeah, so that that was cool to know because I really didn't, I wasn't aware of that really. I always thought that Phil kind of engineered that and brought it to the table. So that was interesting. I thought that well, was in a, in a way he kind of did because the whole reason Collins got fired is he refused to do it. Like his whole thing was ISO ball, give Jordan the ball. Yeah. Like remember he said in the interview, get Jordan the ball, everybody else get the f out the yeah. way. Yeah, you know. So yeah, that was funny. He I didn't mean, want. So I mean. It could have been introduced earlier, and maybe his job would have extended. And Collins has stuck around for a long time. I didn't oh, even yeah. know that. Like he was coaching the Sixers. He was coaching the Wizards. You got to remember when when Michael came back. With yeah, the he Wizards. was coaching the Wizards. Doug was yeah. coaching them up. So, um, and now that makes more sense. <laughs> yeah, it does. I mean, you know, because um, I, you know, I wasn't aware of, uh, you know, this is a little before my, t- you know, time going back. I was like, I, I don't, I. It's almost like I didn't even know Doug Collins was young, <laughs> you know, because right. like, you didn't see. I always saw him as a coach with the Wizards and, and, and you know, different stints in the NBA. But, yeah, I mean, like he was he he was definitely. Uh, but, you know, I think he does. He should get credit for for being there and being there when Michael was growing as a player and as a human being and maturing. Right. Because it's like, won. look, you need to be more of a team player. And I think Phil really pulled that out of him. Right. 
And yeah, Collins also mentioned, and he made sure to mention this, when he was coaching Michael, he won Defensive Player of the Year, he won MVP, he won a dunk contest, and he won All-Star MVP. Yeah, that was all, they listed that, that was all before Phil got there. Yeah, I know like a lot of LeBron sure. fans are going to hate that, but when I was listening to that, that's that's just if you want to just list all those accolades in one season, I mean, my goodness. And that was not even in his prime. You know, that right. was him getting into becoming his own. So um, one thing that really we thought we were going to come away from this, like, oh, you know, what did Michael say? Or maybe like uh, the Dennis Rodman's going to have some crazy little nugget in there about him or, or even Phil Jackson. What, you know, since he was kind of reserved, what, what, what do we get out of it? But ultimately, what we got out of it was the beef between Isaiah Thomas and, and Michael Jordan. And that permeated yeah, throughout say. the rest of the week. I mean, that was really the whole storyline of this series. Yeah, like, and then Isaiah Thomas does not get the respect that all the other all-time greats get. And, I, and the Pistons, as an as a era, them two championships they won. And people just, I mean, everybody hates them. Like, the NBA just really did not want them to be the face of the league mm-hmm. and even to this day you can see it like isaiah thomas beat all of the greats he beat michael multiple times he beat larry a couple times he beat magic in the in the finals you know like yeah and those are some tough teams too like and they had a really good squad um but the whole thing with the um and, the and i agree rules. with you with, with um isaiah doesn't really um get mentioned often in, in basketball head circles a lot but uh, what I will say is I'm not team Isaiah when it comes to him walking off the court, and I'll explain why. Um, you know, when Michael, as he noted in, in the series, is, look, you know, they beat us twice. It hurt like hell. It, you know, it effing hurt, but we, we shook hands, and, you know, we didn't like them, but we paid respect. That's what we had to do because of the game. That You, you know, there's sportsmanship that you have to, you know, you have to do the right thing. And when Isaiah kind of flipped and was like, yeah, well, the Boston Celtics did to us. But this is the way I look at things. Isaiah was visibly trying to hide as he was running off the floor, basically, or walking off the floor with some pace to it. And my thing is, he knew what he was doing, that what he was doing was wrong, in my opinion. I mean, it wasn't like it was like, yeah, we're walking off the court. I don't think he really, maybe he was kind of like what, he he was did an emotional thing, and then he realized at the last second that he did he shouldn't have done it. But my thing is, look, just, a, just said, own up to it. You know what I mean? Just be mm-hmm. like, yo, I, I yeah, I made the wrong decision, but at the time I wouldn't have changed it because you know that he really meant that. I mean, so that's the way I see it. I mean, he did say that he was like, knowing what we know now, we probably wouldn't have done it. But it's almost like the safe face now because for years they had a few, and they and it was always like, yeah, well, whatever. And now they still don't kinda, like each other. Yeah. And like, like Jordan's like, man, I don't care, whatever. He's right. like, whatever he says is going to be BS Crap. anyways. Yeah. yeah, I mean, that's what for me is just seeing, you know, seeing the visual of him hiding behind his other teammates to try to leave the court. I can't unsee that. And oh, that's yeah. for me. I'm like, you at some point, whether you made that decision on the floor or or you you just figured that that was the right thing to do and you just went went and went along and did it i just don't think it was the right thing to do and right, right. and and you can't change what happened now and and I, I think it's funny that we're still talking about it honestly but it kind of shows the whole dream team snub now i, I think it kind of you know and they're gonna they're gonna get why. into that next week 
they're about to get into that next week. That's what next the or not next week uh, Sunday. They're gonna get into the Dream Team and I, and the Kobe episode, which I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I'm that about should to be, be good. Man, that one's gonna be emotional. I think. Yeah. Um, but you yeah. know what's funny? But who would you? I mean, the only players that I could say that you would take off the Dream Team to bring in Isaiah would obviously be Christian Leitner. But Christian Leitner, you know, you kind of had to have a young player, a college player. So that yeah. really wasn't an option. Or maybe Mullen. Maybe, you know. I, Mullen, I don't, yeah. I, maybe. Um, but anyone else? You're not taking them off that squad. Are you kidding me? Yeah, you're that's not how taking good. That's how great the dream that, team was. People don't, yeah. like, it's like, oh, you put them on. For who? Like, that's my thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah, but it's just. The and they were stacked at the, guard anyways. You know what I mean? Like Yeah, they had a couple Jordan and Magic, both. Yeah. And and I think Barkley too. Well, he's not a guard, but No, but I mean everyone passed the rock and everyone, you know, knew their role and, and no one freelanced and not saying that he shouldn't have been on the dream team by any means. I'm just saying, like, it's it's not gonna it's not a plug and play that's like, oh yeah, well, you know, you just you know, like I said, the only guy you could take off is maybe Leitner, but you got to remember the dream team was created post having college players, only college players competing yeah, in the Olympics. Was, so yeah, you, it was, it, was it would be a bad look, and I don't think people were taking that into consideration. So a lot of moving parts of that one. Yeah, that one would have been. It, but we're, they're going to go into that for sure, and I can't wait. I'm ready for that, and we're going to see how that goes. And maybe there's some truth to the rumor that Jordan kept him off. Like, we're about to figure out, well, I don't know how much Jordan's going to go into that, but we're going to figure that out, hopefully. <laughs> but, yeah, I think we can that we can end it there, for sure. That That's that's everything. All right. Well, um, thanks, Devin. Uh, always had a good time talking sports with you, and this is the, uh, of course, your sports fix. Um, make sure you check us out every week on thesportspulse.com, and we will see you again next week. All right.